Welcome to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. Holly is a wife, mom, coach, and entrepreneur. She wears these and many more hats while running three successful businesses, a gym, online counseling and nutrition program, and commercial cleaning company. She brings a unique perspective to everyday life with her spicy, no-nonsense attitude. Holly helps her clients keep it simple with small tweaks that over time add up to big life changes. With that, let's get on with today's episode. Here's my friend, Holly Cochran, an incredible human you need to be listening to every Monday. Hello there, family, friends, and strangers. Thanks for listening to the Monday Matters podcast. I am recording this podcast before it is Mother's Day, and I've been thinking lots about being a mom and being a daughter and what that means to me before um, we head into the Mother's Day weekend. But this episode is going to air after Mother's Day, the Monday after Mother's Day. So I just want to say I hope you had a good day. I hope your expectations were met, and if they weren't, it's okay. You are not the first mom who went to bed the night before Mother's Day like it was Christmas Eve with these high hopes of waking up to, you know, a a great sleep-in where somebody else looked after the babies in the morning and then Eggs Benedict was delivered to your bed and it was quiet and they just kept bringing you new books to read in bed all day while they fanned your... um, with grape leaves and rubbed your feet. If your day didn't turn out exactly like that, I get it. I have learned over the years that it's actually not a national holiday. We are not getting paid time and a half for Mother's Day. And I <laughs> I stopped going to bed the night before thinking that it was Christmas Eve and that tomorrow I was waking up and Santa was bringing me a clean house. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work that way. That's not really what Mother's Day is all about. But upon reflection of being a mom, I wanted to record an episode today about the lessons that I've learned about being a mom, some of them from my own mom, who's brilliant in many ways, some of them from my degree. I I took parenting um, classes in university before I was a mom in social work, you know, and I was running, this is a funny story, I was running parenting classes before I was a parent. Oh man, I did not know what I was doing back then. I would do that so different now. And so I created this list of things that I sort of consider to be my parenting hacks that I either currently practicing Uh, and trying to work in on a regular basis or things that I've learned by screwing up in the past and needing to do better. So I'm sharing them with you today. I wanted to make a list, nice five things that I try to implement in my parenting, but the list got a little too long and I didn't know which one to to take off. So my list is a little longer than that, Um, but I thought they were all pretty important. So my first thing that I um, remember from my from my mom is the cross-stitched saying that hung on her wall and I don't know where it is anymore it was in the old house and if I had it today I would hang it in my house but the cross-stitch saying was children need our love the most when they deserve it the least and you can get as deep as you want with that but the bottom line is if your kid is behaving in such a way that is really frustrating you and making you angry and you could just string them up. That's when they need you the most. That behavior is for a reason. There is a source behind those emotions that you really need to help them work through because you're the mom, the unconditional, loving 
parent. So children need our love the most when they deserve it the least. I have thought that since the day I was given this new little baby in the hospital because my mom had that sign hanging in our kitchen. The other thing, this is not even on my list, but I just thought of it. The other thing she had hanging in the kitchen is cleaning your house while your children are growing is like shoveling the walk before it stops snowing. And if that isn't the truth, I don't know what is. I often say I don't want to shovel out front of the gym until the snow stops. Um, and then I regret it because the snow's too heavy and it's kind of the same with my house. I don't want to clean this house. They're just going to make it messy again. But then when I leave it for too long, it's too much work. So anyway, my mom had some very astute sayings hanging on our wall, obviously, and I don't know where they are, but I might need to put them back up at my own house. Okay. Second thing that I wrote down was I decided long ago that I was going to pick my battles. So there are things like hair color and dyeing their hair, even the piercings, not battles I've ever picked. I, and I did not get this from my mom. My mom gasps every time my kid pierces something new in her body <laughs> in this dramatic gasp. But no, I, it's not a battle I'm going to pick. I'm going to have to fight with these kids about a lot of things that are true issues. The ones that I don't believe are true issues. I'm not going to fight with them about. Their rooms are another one. It kills me. Their rooms are terrible. And it just kills me to shut the door. And every once in a while, I feel like it's like a safety issue or a hygiene issue. Like I don't even know what could be growing in there. And then I might pick that battle for that moment in time. But most of the time, what happens behind that closed door is none of my business. And their rooms are not part of the battle that I choose. Um, number three on my list of things that I work at is my tone of voice. I work at this because I can be really nagging and sarcastic and it doesn't really get me anywhere. Now I've asked nicely sometimes 12 or 15 times and that also wasn't getting me anywhere. Um, and so then that nice tone of voice switches eventually, but more often when I'm talking nicely, explaining, I would like you to do this for me. And these are the reasons why. When I speak respectfully and kind to people, I am treated better. It doesn't seem like that should be rocket science. But when it comes to our kids, I think we forget that it's not our God-given right to just boss them around and treat them poorly because we made them. And I know I catch myself in nagging mode and I listen to teenagers in my office talk about how their parents are always in nagging mode and I'm working at trying not to be that. Like every interaction I have with my kid can't be a negative one. I, and if it is, if, if I've been, you know, hurry up and get this done, blah, 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 whatever. If I do that, I want to sandwich that with three or four nice interactions real quick. I never want them to walk away thinking I can't, th that they can do no wrong, no, do no right, or that I only pick out the faults or that I'm just bossy. My tone of voice definitely makes a huge difference in my parenting abilities. So if, uh, that makes sense to you. Great. If you've always talked nicely to your kids, um, I'm learning from you. One of the things that I did not do early enough in my parenting career 
was finding a space that felt like it was mine and that I felt safe and comfortable in. I wished I'd done this years ago. If you have the ability, if you have the room, if you have the space to create one that is yours, please do it. The The closest thing I had was putting the TV in my kitchen so that I felt like when I really wanted to be alone in my house, in my kitchen and start cleaning things, I would put on a show. So I felt like I was kind of in relaxing mode. I was, I'm right now binging Firefly Lane. It's my time. Nobody wants to come near me because I'm doing dishes and they might be told to help me. So they stay away from me. The TV in my kitchen was a, was a game changer at my house for feeling like I got something that was mine out of each day. Um, but that space, if you can create a space that is yours and feels like yours, I truly recommend it. It might be the bathroom. Like it might be no one gets to make a mess in your bathroom. That is going to be your quiet space. Yeah, you got to bath the kids and maybe there's some toys in there, but it is a small room for the most part. And it, if, if it's the room that you keep the cleanest because that is your space and there is no other space, then so be it. Let the bathroom be your sanctuary. I just think it's really important for my mood. Um, one of the things that I put on this list, number five, was learn to apologize to your kids. You are not always right. And you will make mistakes and screw up because you're human. And when that happens, apologize because then we teach our kids it's okay to not be perfect. We teach our kids that it's okay to be human and make mistakes. And we teach our kids that when we are human and make mistakes, we should apologize for them. Those are great lessons. And our kids learn by example. They learn from us. So when you catch yourself parenting in a way that you feel was maybe not your finest moment and you apologize for it, it just teaches your kids that if we screw up with our behavior and own it and move forward, they don't have to be perfectionists. They don't have to um, always be doing everything right. It's okay to be human. And I think that's such a good lesson for kids. It eases anxiety to be able to say, oh yeah, I'm going to do better next time. I'm sorry for how this went down this time. Number six is one that I think I probably learned in in childhood, but also for sure in university. Say what you mean when it comes to consequences. I know that sounds super easy, but I watch parents still to this day not doing it. My dad was so bad for, if you don't do such and such, you're going to be grounded for a month. And I'm like, my brother and I look at him like, first of all, you don't even know what day it is today. You're never going to know when it's a month from now. You're never going to keep this consequence. You're not going to uphold it. I don't know why it's coming out of your mouth. And it's really not motivating me to do such and such. So right from the get-go, I knew that wasn't a parenting strategy that was working because it wasn't working for me whatsoever. Um... And I tried to implement it right from the very, very, very beginning. I negotiate with a lawyer who is now 16 years old, but for most, she's talked since she was two and we've been negotiating for years. And I only say what I mean. And I have 
upheld every consequence that's ever needed to be upheld. So that now when I say after a week, if that dance bag is still in my porch, open with sweaty tights strewn out all over the place, that bag is still there come Saturday. You're not going to the party. She wants to go out Saturday night. That dance bag, I've asked her to move it nicely with my nice tone of voice every day. It's still there because my nice tone of voice isn't working at this moment. So now there's going to be a consequence implemented. You're not going to the party with that dance bag not sorted out. And I will uphold that. I don't care if there's tears. I mean, it's not going to be a hard one. She'll definitely do it now that I've implemented. I think it's done already, to be honest with you. But sometimes I'll say things to them with a consequence and that will get me action because I never say anything I don't mean. If I'm putting out there that there's going to be a consequence, <laughs> I will hold I will hold up to it. Don't I will never say I'm taking your phone away for 2 weeks. I have no intentions of taking their phone away for 2 weeks because how am I going to boss them around and know where they are and tell them to bring such and such home from the grocery store if they don't have their phones? I'm not taking their phones away from them. I need them to have a phone. So that's not a consequence I'm prepared to follow through on. So I will never say that. It would burn them hard if they didn't get to have their phones for two weeks. I realize, but I don't think it would be the most motivating. And I don't think it would teach them to never do it again. They're going to make mistakes. The consequence has to match the behavior. I've always said that. What have they done? I'm using my air quotes. What have they done wrong? What will best teach them not to do that again? So if they have not taken their plate to the counter, I don't know how taking their phone away matches that behavior. My consequences always matched the behavior. So if they don't take their dish to the counter, then it might be they have to take everybody's dish to the counter for the next few days. And I will sit at the kitchen table for hours waiting for them to take my plate to the counter if they want to be headstrong about it. But we're going to learn a lesson. So say what I mean. That's enough of that. Number seven, this one I got early in my career listening to teenagers before I even had kids. Teenagers telling me my mom won't be able to handle it if I tell her. I would say they'd tell me something and I'm like, does your mom know that? No, my mom won't be able to handle it. And I remember thinking if I have kids, even if I don't want to handle it, or even if it is really hard to handle, I got to make them think that I can handle anything they tell me. So what I wrote down was, if you're not okay handling the truth, you're not going to get it. Does this mean my kids always tell me the truth? No. Have I caught them both lying? Yes. Yes, I have. And when I do, I try to make sure that they understand the truth was going to be easier for me to handle than the lie. The lies are the problem, not the truth. When you tell me the truth, I'm going to work through this with you. We're going to handle this. Even if I don't like it, I'm going to handle it way better than the lie trying to cover it up. I don't think we've got this down pat. Don't get me wrong. I am not naive to think that I know everything that's going on. But I want them to know that I can handle it. I can handle 
the truth. And I hear all kinds of stories in my work. And so really nothing's going to surprise me. And I think that helps. But yeah, if you if you start off letting them think that you can't handle what they're going to tell you because of the reaction that you give when they do tell you something that's kind of big, if that's your reaction, they're going to realize real quick, you don't like the truth. So we best not give it to you. So that's my other thing that I've learned. I need to pretend or at least um, moderate myself so that it feels to them like I can handle whatever they tell me. As when my kids were little, I had a ton of time with them. I stayed home with them all day when they were little. I was the person that was there every single day right at 3.30. I had a lot of quantity of time with them. And I don't know if I did enough quality time with them. I now will have little people in my life again, and I'll have my nieces over and man, that's quality time. And I have memories of doing the same things with my kids and not being present while I was doing them. My brain was so distracted with all the things that I needed to do in a day that the quality time with the everyday stuff that was going on with the kids wasn't enough, I don't think. If I could have a do-over, I would do the same thing with more intention. And because I've learned that and I'm getting less and less quantity of time with my teenagers, I really try to focus on quality. Like when my kids come into the gym to sit in my office for a few minutes after school or whatever, it's like, I have to turn everything off. I'm going to shut the door and I'm just going to sit with them. And it might be five minutes. They're only gifting me five minutes of their day, like the whole day. And I'm only getting five minutes. I need to be present for that five minutes. The driving, I've taught both my girls to drive. That's important time for me to sit in that car and listen. So even though my quantity of time is getting less, I am trying really hard to make the quality better. I have learned as I got older that being more present is more meaningful. So if you are listening to this with little kids who never even give you 10 minutes of a break and you would really love a few hours without them, just make sure that in that constant qual quantity of time, some of those moments are true quality. 100% dialed in, eye contact, no distractions, listening, playing, and interacting with those kids. I don't know that I did that well. The last thing I wrote about my journey as a parent for the past 18 years was the amount of support I've appreciated from my parents. I had tons of support from my parents when my kids were little um, and from my friends. And my friend group continues to evolve and meet me where I'm at, but I was always involved in some sort of play group, library group, jamboree group, wacky snack, visiting group, SLC group, I was involved in a ton of things that gave me support, that made me feel like other moms were in the same trenches that I was in. And it was incredibly 
um, necessary to my mental health back then. And I continue to develop and create space. So I, I have, I have a gym and in that gym are like-minded humans parenting who I find to be incredibly supportive as I transition from one stage to another stage to another stage. And I look to my mentors now, as far as people who have been through this and have grown kids, I feel like that was a huge part of a parenting win for me is knowing how important the support was and creating it, seeking it out. I did not wait for people to check in with me. If you are at home feeling really alone in this season of life, I feel that. And I don't know that anyone sits at home alone and then gets what they want as far as that support. It is something that you can go out and seek. Find that support. Find the people in the trenches doing the things that you are doing and create that team because those meaningful relationships are really important for our development. As kids, I'm working with teenagers all the time, trying to help them to develop meaningful attachment relationships. And as humans, as women, and as moms, we need that in our lives. And I don't know that our spouse is always the person for us. So find that support. It's really important to your development as a human, as a mom, as a parent, as a woman. You need to find like-minded people in the season that you are in and create that support. So that is the nine things that I wrote down. I tried to keep the list shorter. I am sorry that it got a little bit long. And I hope that you have um, come through the weekend with some joy. I hope you can find the small wins. I hope you loved those little people. If you have little people at home and you are listening to this, maybe you loved some grown-up children as you're listening to this. And if it didn't go exactly the way you had envisioned it, know that that's okay. It doesn't, there are many days in our lives that don't go exactly like we envisioned them, but we can do that and grow from it. So thank you very much for listening to the Monday Matters podcast. Continue to grow. Thanks for listening to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Monday Matters, leave her a review, and share this episode on your social media. Should you have any questions about what you listen to or want more info, reach out and send her a message at K2 Health with Holly on Instagram and Facebook. She loves hearing from her listeners. See you next time.